Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, whatever time it is and wherever you are. Thank you for tuning in to the Kinderis Pictures podcast. My name is Adrian Warren. I am your host and founder of Kinderis Pictures. Now, before we get into this episode, I do want to make a couple of announcements. So, episodes of the Kinderis Pictures podcast will go live. That means it'll be uploaded onto Anchor twice a month. So, audio will be posted on the second and fourth Sunday of every month. And starting two weeks from now, two Sundays from now, or two Fridays, um, video will be posted on YouTube the following Friday. So when I post the audio on Anchor on Sunday, a video recording will be posted on Friday. Just wanted to, you know, spice things up a little bit. I don't know. And so just visit KinderisPictures.com for more information about that. So the video recordings will actually start two weeks from now. Um, And as for the second announcement, I am working to get this podcast on different platforms. So right now, again, it is on Anchor and I am waiting for approval from Apple Apple Podcasts. Excuse me. So that's all I have for you guys right now. Let's jump into this episode. In today's episode of Kendera's Pictures podcast, I want to pay tribute to the cast of the 1929 film Hallelujah. So in this episode, I will be speaking their names. I'll express reverence for the foundations that they built for black actors in Hollywood. So this is a foundation that's kind of made of consisting of hope, determination. I and I will literally speak their names near the end of the end of this podcast. So this isn't a movie review. I will touch on a bit of history, but this is more so on the more so putting a spotlight on the forgotten names and faces of these trailblazers. So previously, Hallelujah has often been mistakenly referenced as the first Hollywood production to feature an all-black cast, but that distinction actually goes to Hearts and Dixie. I think a lot of people are more um, understanding of that now. So that Hearts and Dixie was actually released a few months before Hallelujah. So both films were significant, and not just significant... significant to the black Hollywood experience but they were a part of that group of those group that group of film cinema that kind of blazed trails for sound films or what were known as talkies then so those groups of or those that string of movies that came out after the jazz singer that were kind of experimentations with sound hallelujah and hearts and dixie were a part of that so they're they're not only trailblazers for black hollywood film black hollywood experience but also for sound film um so both of these movies intended to do something marvelous amazing life-changing for african-americans and the portrayal of them on screen and there was no more black face and we're also going to talk about the black experience the authentic black experience especially in the south but for the most part, if you've seen either of these movies, they still kind of <laughs> kind of stuck to stereotypes and also one dimensional portrayal portrayals of African-Americans. So, again, I am not going to review Hallelujah and I'm also not going to speak too much on MGM or the production. I'm, I'm not going to focus too much on the negative, even though it is important for me to talk about certain things that took place in the background in order for you guys and for me and for all of us to have a greater appreciation of the actors and what they were able to do um, as, again, as trailblazers, as people who were all relatively new to the screen. 
so um so yeah i'm yeah i will be discussing you know things that happened on set briefly and before the movie went even went into production so so the director um i don't i never know if i say his name right king vidor king vidor king vidor fame director directed a director producer writer made a lot of great hollywood movies um so he was super excited about this movie he was from the south from texas i believe and he wanted to make this movie about you know black life in the south and then you know back then and still even now you know when you think of black people and black southerners people think of music sometimes you know we all know how to sing you know but anyway um so he wanted to make this movie about black people you know they're going to be singing and you know what you know what greater opportunity to show the promise of sound film than with black people singing you know you know they were all going to be like happy-go-lucky you know cotton picking you know all that stuff that black people are synonymous with (laughs) and so again this movie was released in 1929 so we are talking pre-code era so if pre-code pre-code was kind of start of just starting to get its footing um if a bunch of pre-code movies weren't released in 1929 1928 they were in production so when king of the presented this idea a lot of people turned it down of course but the person who turned it down, or one of the people who, who really stood out to me, I actually wrote about this in, a, in my thesis I did for grad school. Um, Nicholas, I always, I can never say his name correctly. It's, 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 it's skank. It's hard to say because it's, it's not skank, but it's, it's S-C-H-E-N-C-K. So film lovers, old Hollywood lovers, you know that's the president of Lowe's. You guys know who I'm talking about. So he presented it to Nicholas Skank. And again, he was one of the people who rejected it, who was very much against it. But I brought up the fact that this was a pre-code movie. And I brought up the fact that a bunch of, I'm sure if pre-code movies weren't released or being released around this time, they were in production and people were quite familiar with the content and the themes of pre-code movies or most of them anyway. So I don't know what was said. I don't know what Mr. Skank said about all the movies that were released around that time, what MGM thought of them. Cause you know, MGM was like the, the, the company that wants to promote um, family friendly movies, especially as we get into like the thirties and the forties. But I find it ironic what, Nicholas Schenck had to say about Hallelujah. So when King Vador kept, you know, kind of badgering him about making this movie, his response was when he finally said yes, his response was, okay, I'll let you make your movie about whores. And so, um, of course, if you go to KinderisPictures.com and check out the um, link for the blog, you'll see sources and information where, as to where you can read that and learn about that. But I, I can't help but think, you know, of all the movies, the pre-code movies, all the movies that came out around that time, how is it that this particular movie would be the one about whores? How, of course, we already know why I got so much pushback. But it's just like, okay, if you've watched Hallelujah, you, you'll see. First of all, the quote-unquote whorishness of it. I mean, it's only like one character that's supposed to be like that. And it's, again, I'm not going to get into the movie or get into reviews of it. But the storyline, the movie is really a take 
somewhat of a take on the prodigal son story. It's very prodigal son story. It's a very biblical movie. So I don't know how King Vidor presented it to this man for him to say, I'll help let you make a movie about whores. But I, I just thought it was very ironic that around that time when the movies that were being made were being made, that that's the one that got called whorish, you know. But anyway, so the film was shot on location in the South. So it was shot in Arkansas, Mississippi. I think there was one other location it might have been shot in, maybe a few others. So the cast not only endured racism from the crew, funny, right? Like the stars of the movie had to endure racism from the crew. Not to say that the crew were less than, but you know, you know, that's ironic, you know, (laughs) and but so they not only kind of dealt with racism and it was very subtle from the crew and everything, just more so things like people weren't talking to them, um, things like that. But they also endured racism from locals, people who had nothing to do with the movie. And if you check out the blog, you will see there was there was one particular incident that took place in Mississippi that the cast kind of laughed about after, according to Eva Jesse and uh, publication she wrote or an article she wrote in the Afro-American they kind of laughed it off or whatever but but it, it, you I mean just think about it you're stars in a movie and you go down to the south to film this movie or go anywhere to film this movie and and then some random man is just like <laughs> calling you the slurs and everything giving you the works giving you the the, the good old southern hospitality so yeah just go check out the blog and you will see uh, read about that story but um, so even with all that they faced during the making of this movie, the cast, the cast was still very hopeful about future opportunities for themselves or for other black actors. You know, this movie made a star out of Nana Mae McKinney. It's not Nina Mae. It's Nana Mae. So the movie made somewhat of a star. They they brought her notoriety, but we all kind of know where her story went because when you hear that name, is it very familiar to you? Probably not. Maybe so. More so not likely. Um, so the actors or the performers who were especially excited and hopeful about this movie were Daniel L. Haynes, who plays the lead character, who plays the role of Zeke. Um, he wrote an article in the Afro-American about the movie as well. So, And it was also some of the, these actors wrote articles and kind of um, touted the movie in response to um, the, the reviews about the negative portrayals or the stereotypical portrayals of african-americans did i say that stereotypical <laughs> i felt like that came out kind of weird so um so eva jesse choral director famed choral director of the dixie jubilee singers who eventually became known as the eva jesse choir she was a choral director on the film as well as a cast member and so both of these performers were especially vocal about what good the movie could bring for black actors including themselves but so again, I've said these two names, Daniel L. Haynes, Eva Jesse. They were so hopeful about the movie. They they put so much into it. They talked about it as if it was the most promising. It was like like a beacon of light. But when you hear those names, are they familiar to you? Did they ring a bell? Probably not. Maybe for a small percentage of you. Maybe for people who are very into music, it might have rung a bell. But for the most part, this movie was supposed to blaze trails. It was supposed to break ground. But the names of the actors aren't as big 
or historians don't reference them often often black historians probably but generally speaking even some black historians or people who archive history or discuss history they they just aren't names that aren't brought up like the Lena Horns, the Paul Robesons, the Dorothy Daniels, the Sidney Portiers. These aren't names. Daniel L. Haynes and Eva Jesse and Fanny Bell McKnight or Denight aren't names that we hear all the time when talking, speaking of black history and sometimes even black cinema history. So right now to end this episode, I am literally going to say the names of the actors in this movie. So let me flip over to IMDb. And let's jump into it. So, I speak the names of Daniel L. Haynes, Nina Mae McKinney, William Fountaine, Harry Gray, Fanny Bell DeKnight, Everett McGarrity, Victoria Spivey, Milton Dickerson, Robert Couch, Walter Tate, the Dixie Jubilee Singers, Matthew Stami Beer, you guys probably know that name. Evelyn Pope Burwell, Eddie Connors, William Allen Garrison, Eva Jesse, Sam McDaniel, a familiar last name that you guys might might know. She he is Hattie McDaniel's brother. Clarence Muse, Madame Sotawan, someone I've discussed a lot in the past. Blue Washington, Georgia Woodruff. Now these are the names that are on IMDB, but this movie had hundreds and hundreds of extras and performers. So please visit IMDb, look up these names, look up the movies they were in, if they were in more than one, get to know them, get to learn who they are. I want to use this, I wanted to use this opportunity to actually say these names, just just to say them. Sometimes just simply saying someone's name is enough to kind of spark something in someone else or to make someone want to research who they are and what they did. So look them up. Read about them. Go watch Hallelujah. And fellow black creatives, let us remember them. Along with others, but especially them. When we put pen to paper, finger to keys, when we put eyes to script as actors or whoever we are. Let's just remember the many um, forgotten names and faces that kind of blaze trails laid foundation for us. Not just Not just the names that we hear all the time, but the ones that that were extras so it was easy for them to be forgotten and the ones that were actually stars of the movies they were in and we've still forgotten them so let's remember them in our heart in our soul and our spirit okay so that's it so thank you all for listening to the second episode of the Kendaris Pictures podcast you can find Kendaris Pictures on Facebook Instagram Twitter the website is KendarisPictures.com and the podcast is on anchor.fm and it will soon be up on YouTube. Video will actually be up on YouTube very soon. Catch you guys in a couple of weeks. Love you so much. Bye.